0: Hey, hey, Wizards, and welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom Podcast, your go-to for all things e-commerce and Amazon selling. I am your host, Noemi, and I'm very excited to welcome a familiar face to the show today, Chris McCabe. Chris is a former Amazonian pro. He is the founder of e-commerce, Chris, where he helps sellers protect their accounts, appeal listing restrictions and suspensions, report abuse, and escalate seller issues. Chris, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey. Thanks for having me back.
0: I always love being here always love to have you on and we're trying to keep you on every 2 months now probably it's going to be even more often who knows who knows right
1: <laughs> always ready yeah. always
0: ready today we have a very interesting and controversial topic um when it comes to how to vet sellers i think this is one of the questions that most of the time sellers are not asking so today that is our topic we would like to help sellers um troubleshoot this issue since especially right before hitting officially recording we were talking about so so many issues that sellers are coming to you and they say look this is what happened to my account and I have no clue how or what or like so on and so forth right so we can play victims and we can play like we can advocate for okay what to do proactively for this to not happen anymore right so um Straightforward, the very first question, background and experience, how we would go about vetting a service provider when it comes to background and experience?
1: Yeah, and just to quickly comment on what you said a moment ago on something happens and you're not sure why it happened. Um, sometimes it is indeed a service provider that you hired that caused the problem with Amazon. That's one reason why we're talking about this today. Um, Some sellers we talked to assume that Amazon just made a mistake because they've assumed that they've hired a top tier expert to create their listings, run their account. They're working with an agency and they assume that there's no mistakes on their side. So first comment would be take a deep dive look into what your operations are. The messaging from Amazon isn't that specific, but look at what they could be talking about before you start responding to Amazon. I just wanted to get that out of there because a lot of hastiness is still prevailing where sellers react, right? Something bad happens, they go into defense mode and they wanna respond quickly and they're also feeling very defensive and they believe that they did a good job hiring a third-party service provider or their agency and they just assume that that's not what the problem is. So start with that question. Is it possibly something on our side? Is it possibly something that the company that we hired to do created this mess for us? Then Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead.
0: No, it was interesting like this word expert. Now this is so like often used whenever I see like the word expert I'm like all right. Good, one more, you know, or guru or so on and so forth, you know, and we're using these words so likely. and if we're not using them people are considering like what's wrong with you, why are you not titling yourself as expert in your uh, LinkedIn profile, you know, and actually, as you were saying, there's a few buzzwords that right now are expected to be there, and once that they are there, you should really be questioning stuff, right, so I
1: I do agree with what you're saying. Question the word expert, Um, I think you should even question the word. Amazonian or Amazon employees. Uh, we've seen links to services. We've seen links to people who said they were Amazon lawyers. They, they were lawyers who worked at Amazon. Mm-hmm. The website has stock photos and no real names on it. Um, so anyone who calls themselves an Amazon expert or says they worked at Amazon, you should scrutinize those claims. I think part of the problem is that other service providers are anointing experts themselves and then presenting those people to Amazon sellers or brands. (laughs) And part of the problem is that sellers are just taking it at face value and believing that those people are experts simply because a service provider said that they were an expert. Um, the other problem in the old days was gurus and other service providers called themselves experts and because they called themselves experts and they recorded a few videos, And they wrote a few blog articles sellers assumed they were experts because they were finding them when they google so things have improved a little bit since then but the problem seems to have shifted um not only is it sellers just looking up a website seeing a bunch of glowing testimonials not really questioning whether or not those testimonials are true (laughs) or are real people and the same with the reviews right I would say at this point, given the amount of fake service provider reviews we've seen on some of the services that sellers tell us they used, I would say, try to talk to the actual person that left the review and try to ask them real questions so you can figure out whether it's just a friendly of the service provider or a friend or a relative of the service provider before you accept what's written in the reviews. I'm still kind of baffled that sellers look at these reviews or these, you know, 98, five-star reviews and only one one one-star review on, like, say, Trustpilot or Google, and they assume it's accurate. All I can say is that we don't pad our reviews. We don't massage our reviews. I don't know what anyone else is doing, but I can see in their reviews that they're definitely padding the reviews. And you're never going to stop that, right? Google has no interest in stopping it. I think you just have to do the research, I think the problem is sellers aren't willing to take the time to make phone calls and send detailed emails to whoever left these testimonials I mean you can't just take the service provider at their word right.
0: Right, yeah. in the same time, I think like some somehow because we were talking about also like references and reviews uh, and also the website like right now actually we are. At really struggling struggling quote unquote but. Mm -hmm. We do offer services and our website doesn't really showcases our achievements, right? So right now we are working on the website. At the same time, I'm like looking at so many like glowing websites, so many glowing like big companies and they they just really nailed the website part because they have like enough budgets to really invest in like high-end marketing experts, right? Mm -hmm. So and then it's going to be so kind of like if you're not keeping up track with whatever they are doing, it's like, you are not good enough anymore, because your website doesn't look good, you know, so I found it so, so interesting that right now, it's not anymore about, um, yeah, asking those questions, but you're going to be just, just, judged as a book, you know, by its covers, you know, if the covers are good, I am going to trust you. So, um,
1: I I agree. I think, I think some service providers hit on this idea that, If they have really polished marketing, they should put more energy and time and work there. And they put less energy into their expertise and less effort into the work itself. I work in the reinstatement strategy and the suspension appeal space. And we've seen this with at least three or four service providers who spend way more time on the marketing than they do on the work. Uh, Some of them only send the client one appeal every week or every month, and they'll fire them and they'll hire us two months in. And there aren't even that many appeals that they've been given in exchange for whatever two or $3,000 that they gave. So the work isn't there, the work quality isn't there. The staff at that company are invested in advertising themselves, promoting themselves, going to conferences, talking to people in person, Which is kind of another interesting thing I think if people meet you in person, and you have a really polished sales pitch, then they feel comfortable paying that service and Mm -hmm. there's they're still not asking. The right questions they might feel like they've asked a couple of questions when they went to the booth at the conference. But they're not really verifying or fact checking the answers and I don't think they understand that there's a lot of repetition in these answers and that's how they polish the sales pitch. Right. Um, If you're not being asked a lot of specific, custom, unique questions about the nature of your listing. If nobody wants to see your category listing report when you get flagged by compliance teams, for example, if nobody asks you, well, how many times did you appeal this? What did Amazon say when they denied your appeals? What did Amazon say when you called their account health reps to say, why am I still suspended? What are the reasons for rejections? Those questions take seconds to ask, but I know that the service providers that some sellers are hiring are never asking the seller these questions. Because I ask the seller these questions when they've been working with somebody else for six weeks. And it's like you can kind of blame the service that they hired, on the one hand, but I hate to say this at some point, you have to start blaming yourself for not vetting them and for not carefully considering what do they bring to the table is it just marketing machine and and sales pitch? Um, Did you fact check their answers? And have you talked to people that worked with them in the past who had your situation? It's an analogous case. It's not just kind of similar, sort of similar. It's not just, oh, they were suspended too and now I'm suspended. Dig into the details, don't rush it. I understand there's a panic element here (laughs) and you wanna hire somebody quickly when you're suspended, right? Your funds are frozen, no money's coming in. You're worried that your inventory is sitting in FBA, aging every day. I get it, but it doesn't mean there are shortcuts to doing your homework on vetting people. And honestly, you should be able to get them on the phone and talk to them in terms of strategy. I don't think service providers are going to give you a detailed blueprint on everything they think you should do because some sellers might say, well, this sounds like something I can try myself. Thanks for the free advice. Not every service provider wants to spend a long time, you know, laying out some, some free advice, but by the same token, they should give you specific answers to specific questions. They can't just overpromise and under deliver because honestly that happens all the time. We, we get a lot of failed appeal cases from people who didn't really push the people they already hired to fix something they just took a couple of token stock answers. Oh, Amazon's hard. Oh, Amazon's being difficult. And really, the service that they hired had one idea, or maybe two ideas. And when they've exhausted those two, they don't really have any other suggestions.
0: All right, so let's, let's work our way backward. I love Amazon with the working backward strategy. Okay, that is the outcome. What are the things that should have happened? in order to prevent this kind of stuff. We were talking about references and reviews, we touch based on that. Now, when it yeah. comes to qualifications and expertise, uh, most of the time sellers don't know which are the right questions to ask. So here, you, what you gave actually is an example. And actually, this is why you're so often on the show, because whenever I am, I'm literally generally sending clients or potential clients towards to, to you or to your way, right? right? And the reason why is because Uh, I noticed how you, okay, give me exactly what happened. What did you wrong? Like, you're not even asking, you're not even offering your services. You want to see, is this a person that I can help genuinely or not? Is this a person that actually they did all the mistakes? It's like how much risk I'm assuming to myself, right? And those are really important. Those are really important things that you will see them and you will see it as difference whenever you are sending um, potential clients towards some other agencies, right? Yeah. Because, uh, like, for example, those could be a really good question, which, how how do, how do, does this, the potential service provider uh, approaching you? Are they saying that they are doing X, Y, Z results and this is what they did and so on and so forth, or are they okay, what is your current problem? What is your situation? Uh, asking questions, you know, right. I think that is going to be one of the most important things are they asking you questions? And by the way, just like again, not too bash. I love Prosper. I love all the conferences, and we were just chatting about um, a few minutes ago, right before That's hitting right. recording, about you, conferences.
1: You, you love seller right. velocity, right? I do.
0: I do. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously, yep. obviously. Um, but getting back to, but it's what a I good was, point. Yeah, I, I think that most of the time. I think it was one person again not pointing out services or service providers but it was one person and you guys who at at prosper they were asking me okay what is the problem that you're facing currently right so how how can i help you and it wasn't like this is who we are this is how many employees do we have this is the results that we are delivering and so on and so forth which is a sales pitch which i do agree that you have to have that as well but whenever someone is asking you give me the questions that you're Mm -hmm. which are the things that you're struggling with right now. I think that should be a good way for you as a um, seller to potentially vet someone whose services you might be providing. Are there anything else like that you can think of? You have to test
1: their knowledge. You have to test their knowledge with real life with with it doesn't even have to be examples from your account or your brand. You could be aware of a larger topic, a big problem in the seller community. You can be aware of, maybe you look at Facebook posts or seller forums posts, or you heard a podcast or read a blog, you know it's out there. You know people are struggling with it. You can ask them, not just have you successfully helped people deal with this because if they want your money, they'll always say yes. You have to say, how would you deal with it? Knowledge test, quiz them. And I like what you said a moment ago about you can tell if they're just trying to get as many clients as possible. Because in the Amazon space, I believe that no service provider should simply be getting as many people as possible. Quantity over quality. We don't want quantity over quality. I won't speak for other service providers, but if you sense that their focus is really just getting as many clients as possible. They should be interviewing you about whether or not they want you to hire them just as much as you're quizzing them about their knowledge. And if you don't sense there's a two way interview, which is what you do when you talk to me, (laughs) I have to figure out if we can work together and if we are on the same page. And if you're interested in being policy compliant, I already know the Amazon stuff. I know how Amazon feels about the policies, and I might have a good sense of how Amazon feels about you and your suspension up until that point but you should be interviewing me and I should be interviewing you. That should be a two-way street. If you sense that they're trying to get as many people to pay them as possible, that probably means the quality of their work will be deficient because they already know going in that they'll have a certain percentage of failed cases. You could be one of their intended failures. And we've seen a lot of service providers this year, especially actually, 2023, who are taking cases that they know they cannot win. There are some lawyers who do this and they've racked up a lot of terrible reviews, there are some other service providers that aren't legal in nature, who do this. And we know that they have failed several times on the same type of suspension, but we know we still they're still taking those cases. And we've heard from sellers that they're still telling sellers, they can succeed with those cases, they know in advance that they're taking the fee and that they can't win it and that's a real problem so interview each other. Make sure they're not just telling you what you want to hear so that you open up the wallet. That's one thing. The other point I wanted to make was if you get a recommendation from a third party service about, I mean, about anything really, but about compliance suspensions, avoiding suspensions, reinstatement strategies, those can be the death of a business. So I'm going to focus on that for the moment. If a service provider recommends another service provider, they shouldn't be offended if you drill into the nature of their relationship. And that goes beyond saying, are you commission-based with the service you're recommending? Because most of the time, I think they'll say no, right? I mean, if they are commission-based, then that means they could be less objective. Right. That's a, that's a given. Find out if they're just swapping clients, swapping customers. Because if that's the nature of their relationship, then they're expected to send that service business, regardless of the details. And I've already talked to a couple service providers that we don't really deal with anymore, because we heard what they were saying when they were trying to send us people and they wanted us to send them people what were they saying. They were just backing off of and washing their hands of the nature of the problem well we don't know what you guys do. But you say you're good at it and you've got good reviews, so we really just want you to send us clients we're not really sure how good or bad you are at the work. They don't necessarily put it that way but that's what they mean <laughs> i'm kind of paraphrasing here right yeah. somebody told me you were good at good at this i talked to a seller i met you at a conference whatever their main objective is clearly to have us send them clients they weren't asking me much in the way of questions about what we were going to do to help that specific seller that went to them for help and they were like well we don't really do what you do so we're not experts on it So we're not going to think about it we're just going to blindly send clients back and forth if that's the nature of the relationship between one service provider who's giving another service provider recommendation you need to know that and you need to make an informed decision about whether or not you want to hire them and again go back to testing their knowledge and don't spend all day asking one service provider why they're recommending another at some point they're handing the ball to you and you need to run with it and you need to ask these questions because I can tell you how many sellers I've talked to, when I quiz them about why they hired a particular service, they really don't know. They really don't have any good answers. It's almost like they haven't put any thought into it. They kind of turned their brain off and they handed their brain to a service provider and had that person make the decision for them because they assumed that person knew more about the problem.
0: Right. I like how, how how you put that. And I think something that is also important to know, like to mention, it's nothing wrong with swapping and with recommending and getting commissions. I think the problem is that you're going to do it just to gain profit rather than help, genuinely help and be aware that like, look, as, as I was saying, like we personally recommend you guys because I know that you have at least 10, 10 wizards, close friends of mine, right? They right. were really like in shitty positions and you help them, right? So that for me states a statement of, I don't have to necessarily, you you need to do something within my business, but the way how you're treating clients, the customer experience, the, f- the fact that you're taking on cases and you're solving them, that's for me like, okay, I'm going to recommend this person. And even if it's not commission basis, hopefully it should be commission basis at some point, right? Or we are swapping uh, clients. It, it can code. be
1: yeah it can but you be, know
0: what I mean I, I think that but, that's really really important uh-oh. because we're not we're not talking against like that's still okay it's not that is not the problem we're not like it's not an outrage because that is happening right. but really like understanding the root of root cause of the problem right I think that is the most important I thing. want
1: I want somebody to refer people to us because they know we're good at the work not because right. of a commission and not because they expect us to refer them a certain number of clients a month. Um, It has to be based on what you just said. You have 10 colleagues or sellers who have already worked with us who are already helped and, and we successfully reinstated them. Something like that is meaningful. Something where you refer people to me simply because you've heard about me or you've heard a lot about me or you saw me on stage somewhere, that's not enough. Just knowing about somebody and I see that happening, I had somebody I reinstated from a suspended account this week who's in some sort of FBA seller group I don't know which one and we don't need to name the group. People in that group were sending him ideas and suggestions and recommendations and I went to him and I said, you should really go back to them and ask because some of the names I hadn't even heard of so. They probably were faking that they had been in the business for years and they had lots of junk on their website that was, you know, promotional, but not substantiated. I said, go back to these people and ask them why simple question, why are you recommending this person or service. He came back a day later and he said, well, because they heard about them and that doesn't mean they use them right a lot of the people who referred him to certain service providers when he asked have you used this service, said no. And then he followed up with, then why would you recommend them? Logical question, not crazy. All they said was, we see their ads, or we know they spoke at some conference, or we heard about them through another seller who may or may not have used them. So basically word of mouth, but really gray, murky, unclear word of mouth, or not even that, just like I've heard the name used. Is that the basis for hiring somebody to fix a suspension or a compliance issue with one of your listings? And you know that we work with a lot of compliance cases where, like I mentioned a moment ago, the category listing report or the seller sent compliance documentation to the service provider to review it because those are the documents Amazon wanted to see and the service provider didn't even review the documentation because they didn't understand it because they were taking compliance cases where they didn't understand what you can put on an Amazon listing and what you can't, or they didn't even understand the laws around what you can put in a listing and what you can't. So they didn't review the compliance documentation. So you as a seller can say, you can quiz them on that. I wanna talk about the compliance documents I sent you. Oh, don't worry about that. We wrote the appeal already. they give you a generic template. Like at that point, the burden shifts to you to call BS on what they gave you, right? Just because you paid for something and they give it to you to send in doesn't mean you have to send it.
0: Right, and I think the worst part of it is that, especially nowadays, and yes, we started as a consultancy. Now we want to grow into an agency honest, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) feedback there, right? I I think that the hardest part that we are facing right now is really how to how do I me as a seller, multiply myself, so I'm going to give and offer the exact same customer obsession, what I gave as a a consultant, right, in my agency. And I think that because most people are really like seeing it as a lucrative business model, because it is technically, if you have the upfront capital, you can hire out everything, you can put the team together, and you can get things going, right? But then the problem is going to become, okay, who is the cheapest price, right? And one more of the things that why yeah, I'm we haven't talked you, about that. <laughs> yeah, one, one, one of the things is like always, you know, I'm recommending Chris, but they're not cheap, right? <laughs> so I think one of the major problems is again, because it come, it becomes so oversaturated. the market when it comes to agencies, Mm -hmm. like uh, service providers, and so on and so forth, is that they offer it for a very, very low price. And then you will say, okay, I need it, I'm going to get it, they seem to offer the exact same things as the 5000 6000 $10,000 worth of agency, and I'm going to go with the 500. Right. And then this is one of the major problems why they are getting a problem in like all, all the trouble all the issues everything that's where it's happening, because you know this is how much they invested in their safety slash security.
1: Right, I have a good answer for that I, uh, I have, I have no problem with people who go for the 500 option versus the 5000 whatever it might be. Uh, first of all, understand what you're getting for the lower price service, sometimes there's a project rate on the table where there's a higher cost service that involves more work and more coverage than the lower cost option, which is like quickie, you know, one-off stuff. So understand the nature of what you get in exchange for the fee. But I have no problem with people who say, I don't have the budget for you, I'm gonna do it myself, or this is my budget, can you meet it or not? as long as those sellers understand that you get what you pay for and you're assuming a risk, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat eat it too. If your budget was low because you didn't set aside resources for a problem, every business owner should set aside a rainy day fund in case they run into trouble, whether it doesn't have to do with Amazon. I mean, you might have a, you might have a legal problem with your business, And you might have a brick and mortar shop and you need a a reserve fund to pay a lawyer when you have problems with permits with the city, for example, so everybody to be a responsible business owner should have that money set aside. Within Amazon there's lots of different things that could go wrong, some of them require a higher fee some of them are lower fee. If you haven't set aside the money to resolve that problem and it's not a realistic amount, then you're essentially making a conscious decision to onboard more risk. And you're going to probably have to hire a more amateur level or a less seasoned service provider. I don't know of any true expert service providers who do anything for a fee, let's say, in the hundreds of dollars. So you're making a conscious decision and you're kind of forfeiting the right to complain later. Um, You're making a conscious decision to hire a subpar service at that point. Sometimes it works out to the tune of 500, 600, 700 bucks. I mean, that's great. You saved yourself $3,500 in those cases. That doesn't happen often enough. Um, what we see more often is over-promising for a low fee, under-delivering for a low fee. You go back, you go to your service provider, and you say, what the hell happened? I paid you guys, you promised me the world for a low amount of money, nothing came across. Um, at that point you've kind of already accepted the risk that they won't be able to help you because the only way they'd be charging you 500 bucks is if they lack the expertise i mean honestly a lot of people pay five six hundred bucks for amazon related services around what we do you're better off pocketing that money and doing it yourself because they don't know any more about this than you do no one wants to hear that but i think it really comes into thinking ahead plan to have problems you know i don't know what example you can give other than like a prenuptial agreement before you get married (laughs) nobody wants to talk about a prenup before they get married does that mean it's stupid does that mean you shouldn't do it you know better safe than sorry right you probably should think about it if there's a need to address are you going to have resources ready when the time comes Everyone has to plan for a rainy day. You do, we do, every business owner does. It has nothing to do with Amazon, nothing to do with the nature of the work you do. Anybody should have a rainy day fund, in my opinion.
0: I fully support that message. So contracts and agreements, let's talk about that. Are there any red flags or hidden clauses our listeners should be aware of when it comes to...
1: Yeah, make sure there are clauses in your any agreement you sign with a service provider that the agreement will be null and void. And you'll get a refund if they do anything illicit or illegal in exchange for your fee. If you are not getting clear answers about what they're doing in exchange for the money, as we've already seen with the the federal indictment and the guilty pleas and the bribery and corruption cases around Amazon employees and consultants, you could be on the hook for that. Amazon can justify blocking your account, banning you permanently, because you hired an illicit service and you could also have legal problems and we're not just talking about civil penalties we're talking about criminal penalties because contributing bribes that go to employees of a corporate entity that's against the law so i'm not here to give you legal advice but i any layman can tell you you could have legal problems if you just start handing money to consultants and you claim later i don't know what they did with it Maybe they paid somebody at Amazon to give me screenshots of my account annotations. We all know that's a rampant problem right now. You could be on the hook for that. Um, I'm not saying the consultant wouldn't lie to you and say, oh, we're 100% legit. Just give us your money and don't ask us what we do. But we're 100% legit. You can't just cry later. Well, they told us they were legit and they weren't. What are the What is law enforcement going to do? What are the feds going to do? They're going to blame you for not asking enough questions. And quite honestly, I kind of agree with them. Because if you're just like, take my 10 grand, I don't want to know what you're doing. You kind of already know in the back of your mind that it could go into a bribe. And you kind of know that you're at least an accessory to something illegal, right? Amazon's going back through old cases. I've received messages from people who got reinstated improperly i.e. through, you know, a bribe or through paying an employee for screenshots of their account so that they could appeal differently, there are people who were reinstated a year ago or two years ago who are getting blocked now because they were improperly reinstated. Um, that's because you didn't do your homework when you hired the consultant, if you knew the consultant was dirty before you hired them obviously that's 100% on you, because you gave them money, knowing what they were going to do with it. I'm not saying the consultants not to blame, um, but you knew there was something illegal and you knew you were a party to it, you can't claim ignorance later if it looks fishy and smells fishy and they're acting fishy and the contractor agreement doesn't really say how they're going to do the work for you. If you're blindly trusting you're kind of guilty too. and Amazon will decide to close your account and you can't point fingers and blame people later Amazon wants you to take responsibility for what happens to your account. So yes, go over those agreements with a fine tooth comb. And if it's really vague on to, in terms of the services and what they're gonna do, get them on the phone and talk to them about it, minimum. And if it stays vague on the phone, you're probably disinterested in paying them anyway because they don't really have a strategy for you. It's not It's not that it guarantees they're going to do something illegal on your behalf. Maybe they were trying to, but if they don't have good answers to real questions about strategy then it probably means they don't have a strategy and if so why are they taking your fee to begin with
0: right i think like i, I love to be very how do you call it i'm looking at things as a seller and as a service provider I'm i'm also looking from the point of view of hiring someone so mm-hmm. one of the questions that i'm asking usually service providers is that where did you miss up or what situation happened to you that it was like really bad? How did you, how did you address that? Because most of the time that's when you will see the character of the business. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then it's, they're going to share, of course, you don't have to share brand name. Of course, you don't have to share like um, sensitive data, you know, but I think that is like showing your vulnerability that, Hey, you messed up, you know, and actually this is one of the things that, um, We had an employee, he's not anymore with us, however, he was great during the period that he was with us. Mm. And one of the things he was asking me is like, "Mm, what is the biggest mistake that you made in advertising, you know, and I was like, what do you mean I am your boss? How do you ask me this kind of questions, you know, but actually that opened my mind to that is a fair question, right? That is a fair question. And I was like, look, I spent X amount of money. And I think I, I really thought that I'm doing things right and I didn't right and yeah. then. Thankfully, I learned on my own mistakes, you know, so I don't have to do the same mistakes on someone else's business, you know, but I think that that is a really fair question to ask mm-hmm. you know what, where did you miss up, and how how did you solve the problem, you know, so. From We've my had end,
1: some think- brands that got listings suspended and then they told us they got them reinstated we didn't ask, we didn't identify early enough that we had to ask them, did you hire a service to just create another listing for the same product using techniques that would evade Amazon's ability to understand that it was the same product or did you actually submit an appeal for reinstatement that was accepted? I should have asked people that question earlier in the process and we started finding that out along the way, Um, but there were like listing optimization services or agencies who were getting the listing back up, but they were really just creating a duplicate of the same product and evading what type of product it was by changing terms in the titles and in the listing content. And we didn't understand that early enough. We accepted that they had gotten it reinstated somehow, maybe they appealed successfully. So that's something, I mean, it's a good example of scrutinizing the language that service providers use when they offer a service. If they say they're getting your listing back up, (laughs) <laughs> you have to say, you mean you're going to reinstate it the right way by appealing, or you're just going to make a whole new listing for me? <laughs> like the seller should have asked those people those questions uh, because all those services we're doing were creating another violation. But we should have asked that. We should have been aware that services were offering these types of services without explaining that what they were doing was against TOS. And we should have drilled down more into it before we assumed that they had reinstated the listing properly. Um, so that was something that we, we learned from, I would say last year.
0: That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing and see, like, I I think that these are the important things, it's not only that, yes, you're capable, you are able to do it, but it's always like, okay, this is, this is, this is real. You know, we are always learning. So this case, we also learned that, Hey, we should have asked better questions ourselves. So I love that. Mm -hmm. All right, wrap up questions, my friend the yeah. three questions that you're always being asked. The first one, <laughs> Gay changing investment you recently made. Um, here it says affiliate marketing. So I'm sorry, if you're looking at the notes that you're using, it's not affiliate marketing, it's going to be that investment. Yeah, no. Uh, 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 vetting services. What what do you think that someone or you personally have been invested like 50 bucks or less? In order to become better, proper
1: proper legal advice, Um, people who aren't lawyers sometimes don't know where to go for the right kind of legal advice for sellers and for service providers. Part of the problem is that they're getting legal advice on intellectual property issues from attorneys that aren't intellectual property experts that's the number one mistake we see brands doing and we're not sure Mm -hmm. why they're doing it if it's an IP issue go to an IP attorney. And also make sure that they are an IP attorney. If they tell you they're an IP attorney, dig into that, make sure they are. Um, But on my side as well, um, investing in quality legal help has helped us deal with, you know, all kinds of things that a business owner would have to. um, Intellectual property is one of them, but there's other legal issues too. I mean, every dollar we've invested in attorney fees this year, I would say has been worth it because we asked the right questions and we hired the right legal help Um, and that can you know that can run the gamut i mean there's all kinds of legitimate legal issues that come up for any business sometimes you can solve them in a one-hour phone call Uh, sometimes a letter has to be drafted but um, the amazon space is complex and, and everyone should have proper legal help at their disposal
0: i do agree Mm -hmm. Top three of your favorite books and why do you love them?
1: I'm going to give you one book that I'm reading, which is an interesting read, Hotel Scarface, which is about, um, it's a kind of a 1980s cartel cocaine trade in Miami book. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why this is interesting. And there's only one real interesting part of this book. There was, they call it Hotel Scarface. I guess there was one hotel where all of the, Traffickers would congregate and all these different service providers would hang out and talk about business and flaunt their wealth. And this is the way it was in the Amazon space with black hat tactics and with illicit and fraudulent methods to attacking competitors or finding ways to get Amazon employees to do things for you. This is the way it was in 2018 2019 2020 and that's what led to the federal indictment people got very relaxed and they just assumed the party would last forever and they would assume that everything they were getting away with they would get away with it forever so instead of waiting for the party to end and for the walls to cave in and for everything to come crashing down try to understand that when there's a lot of bad behavior going on around you that could be a warning flag for you when there's sellers or service providers who are getting away with stuff and you can still get away with a lot on amazon Because Amazon's guard is down and they're not necessarily paying attention to everything all at the same time. That doesn't mean that you follow your competition and they're doing something black hat and you copy them and you get away with it, just like they're getting away with it, not a good idea. Right, so I'm not trying to draw direct parallels to 1980s federal law enforcement in the Miami area and Amazon selling per se, but reading this book everyone who reads this book is going to think, where were the feds? Where was law enforcement? What was going on? How are, how are all these people to operate out in the open? So overtly, so brazenly for millions and millions and millions of dollars every week or every month and get away with it. Right. Simply because the feds were behind the curve. Well, obviously Amazon's behind the curve on a lot of stuff, but just because Amazon's behind the curve now doesn't mean they're not going to catch up. And just because, for for illegal practices, just because the feds might be behind on some of this stuff because they don't understand e-commerce marketplaces exactly today doesn't mean next month won't be different. So, yeah,
0: I love it. For those interested in you, your services and all the amazing educational content you put out there, you were also mentioning the conference. Could you share more details, please?
1: Yeah, I just want to talk about the conference since it's two months out um, in New York City. And there's a day two. It's actually a two-day conference. One day in New York, one day outside of New York, um, October 11th and 12th, the Seller Velocity Conference. You can go to SellerVelocityConference.com. Um, just contact us either through the site or you can email me, Chris at e-commerce, Chris.com if you're uh, interested in more details about the event or discount codes. For the moment, I can tell you that we're getting as many different experts for different areas of amazon that we can together in one place so that you can network with them we have different types of networking events the, the second day is basically a networking day but outside of the venue for talks and presentations we think it's great to have a whole separate day of networking and to get away from the city for a while as well so you can have quality conversations right and the theme this year is optimization of your brand on amazon by excelling in performance and making sure that you're focused on growth and not fighting off competitors all the time, or not fighting with Amazon all the time. So proper, responsible growth, not just grabbing at every suggestion that you see and hoping it works. Um, doing it with the guided hand of the the expert professionals that we interact with every day, and we'll get you get you close, up close and personal with them, October 11th and 12th in New York. So it's and amazing. we hope you're coming too yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> hopefully hopefully as i was saying I, to, I, I yes go on
1: i need to talk to you about your travel schedule because there's got to be a way that we can get you to new york in october
0: 100 so. <laughs> percent you know i we are planning to go yep. to new york hopefully we can make it right then so that should be fun
1: all as, as always
0: it was a pleasure Chris, and thank you so much for sharing this i think that uh, usually I, I love to have you on the show because we are talking about topics that are not so popular that should be popular or we're talking about topics that are super popular yet we're like no that is not the right way to do it you know so i think that this is super super valuable for both for myself and for our audience
1: and for me always rewarding to talk to you i feel like the conversation always goes in a good direction um and we talk about enough specifics i like how you give me specific questions because it helps me give specific answers and i think that's what sellers and brand owners need in today's climate competition so fierce that you can't take a chance on like vague answers to important questions
0: 100 To all our lovely listeners thank you so so much for listening in as always be good take care of yourself and we'll see each other next Monday.